0: Hello and welcome to Silence, a podcast where women get really honest about surviving and thriving in what often feels like a man's world. My guests are wonder women from the fields of science, technology, engineering and mathematics or STEM, where inclusivity and diversity can be a real problem. I know this only too well as a female Southeast Asian mechanical engineer. I was kind of a minority within a minority back then. I'm Dr. Shanice O'Mara, an engineer term broadcaster. Throughout my career, I've worked on and reported on some cutting edge technology and innovation. And through my television work, I've met some incredibly inspiring women from a diverse range of STEM fields. Talking to these exceptional ladies has often left me feeling empowered, hopeful, and excited about life. I believe silence will enrich you too. Every week, a woman in STEM shares her unique experiences with absolutely no pressure in having to promote her accomplishments or guard her impressive reputation, because I've come to realize that everyone is just way more open and relaxed when they're anonymous. So I deliberately disguise my guest voices so that we're just connecting as human beings rather than human doings. It's my hope that you really relate to what we chat about today. If so, please do subscribe to Silence and maybe even rate and review the show. I'd love to have your feedback. This week, my guest is in the field of cell and molecular microbiology. Hello. Hello. Gosh, so what you're in sounds extremely uh, tiny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it all about tiny science?
1: My major is cell and molecular biology, but I have a focus in microbiology. So we're able to choose different tracks. So yes, it is really tiny a lot of my coursework consists of studying like bacteria and viruses, their modes of transmission, and how it affects like public health.
0: Right. So you must be in your element right now with this COVID stuff going on.
1: Yes. It's um it's actually put some haltering on my lab work, which is sad. But it is interesting to see kind of on the outside how the world reacts to science and how much like false information there is about really viruses in general. And I know that there's been a lot of controversy because at least here um, where I am, um, people like to stereotype the virus as, you know, just being something that there's like a rumor that um, it was like a hoax. And then there was a rumor that you can't get it. And it's really interesting being in science and studying, you know, viruses and bacteria to like have to pull aside even some of my friends, like, Hey, like that's false. It was transmitted to this, that and the other. And just because you wear gloves doesn't mean that you can't not get it. It's, mm-hmm. it's interesting for sure to see like the juxtaposition between the general public and like people that are in STEM right now.
0: Right. I mean, what are the major f- myths that all of us are being misled by?
1: But I'm I'm not sure about all of them because you know everything is person to person. But I know right now the weirdest one that I've seen. Usually these circle around like social media. Um, specifically I find Facebook has the most false information about science and um, I've gotten in some arguments because someone said that COVID-19 was a hoax by the Chinese government and I was like, I, I have to tell you that it's not true someone else thought that um, I forget what it was it's just, it's just crazy, people think that I have all these conspiracy theories but if you just um, look at how bacteria or a virus works very simple mode of transmission. So yeah, that was a simple vaccine.
0: How does a bacterial virus transmit then? Like, what's the basic things we should know?
1: So, bacteria and um, viruses, people often get them confused and it's normal as to why. So, a bacteria is basically like a unicellular microorganisms. So microorganisms mean small organisms. And they have cells, And but the thing is they don't have organelles. So they don't have organelles or organized nucleus, which is like kind of like the brain of what the mm. cell is. And those cause disease. So a virus also can cause um, disease. But the thing about a virus, which, which COVID 19 is, is that it needs a host. And so Um, COVID-19, and I don't want to like, you know, I don't claim to be an expert or anything, but um, COVID-19 is a respiratory disease, and um, I know right now they're doing a lot of testing through, like, your nasal cavity, so like, it can go into you through a lot of like the motor transition I think right now is, like, fluid, so they can spread from person to person and um, through fluid, through the air, through, like, germs, Passport in person. So I guess the best way to combat this is obviously, you know, we all know to wash our hands. We all know mm-hmm. to use like antibacterial soap and hand sanitizers and such. But I think a really big miscommunication about how this virus spreads is people are stockpiling with like, gloves and masks, but then they don't use their proper like PPE. So they'll put gloves on and then they'll touch their face. And that's just, he's entire entire on with the gloves on. And so the whole point yeah. is that you're not going near any cavities that are open like in your mouth and your and mm. your eyes. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. So basically bacteria has doesn't have a brain. Yeah.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> and viruses have brains, but they need a host to be able to thrive.
1: Yeah. So viruses are also, I believe, tinier than bacteria. And so like, I'm pretty sure um, I learned in class that like the smallest or the largest virus is still smaller than the smallest bacteria. So it's like also goes to scale. And viruses cannot survive without a host the way that bacteria can. So they only reproduce by attaching themselves to other cells.
0: Right. Gosh, I mean, what a time to be studying what you're studying. Um, I mean, has this now... Because no one has been through a pandemic before in their lifetimes. No one's who, who's alive. So... Um, has studying the subject you've chosen put it into context of how important it is to study
1: something like this? That's a great question. Um, I definitely think that it shows me the relevance of biomedical yeah. science and how important it is to have you know, proper systems in place and to have like, the general public and the government really take science seriously. Because I feel oftentimes you know, a lot of undergrads are like, oh, I'm this major and I'm studying STEM, that's great. I do research in a lab. 15 to 20 hours a week and I present a poster but like what is the relevance what's the significance yeah. and so when things like this a pandemic happens and you know you realize you actually know how this is spreading and you realize how many people don't know and that's why a lot of fear happens because people don't know like what a virus is they think that you can get a virus like just miraculously so I think being in science and being specifically in the field that I am it helps me show that you know, people like I know one of my labs. They're they're developing like a more rapid test for COVID. We got testing sites set up at our university pretty quickly. So I think mm-hmm. it shows, if anything, that when you put like the, the funding and the time and the training into science, that it does feedback whether you know you know it's going to happen or not.
0: Mm, yeah. What made you get into the subject in the first place? Because it's pretty
1: specific. Yeah. So. Um, I actually came into college because it was only my third year. I came into college as an environmental science major. Um I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I knew I liked science, but I actually had a counselor tell me that um I should consider a field less challenging for someone like me. And I don't know if oh, that's no. because I don't know if that's because he was a misogynistic old white man, and I am, you know, I was a seventeen year old woman of color going into school or because he just didn't see potential in me. But I was very intimidated by that. To go into, like, a medical profession, he kept saying that um, instead of being a doctor, I should try to look to be a nurse because it's more applicable, it's more, I don't know, easy to attain. I don't believe it's true, but also it kind of sets that notion in that women shouldn't be doctors um, and that we should strive to be nurses instead, which I think is very outdated. So I came in as an environmental science. Um, and because even though, of what that guy said. Yes, because of what he said. I already, you know, I feel like a lot of women, specifically women of color, already lack self-confidence. And we have very self-image. If not, we're first gen, second gen. You know, we don't have a lot of role models next to us. You know, and the media doesn't exactly represent us. I can't remember the last time I have seen a Latina, Hispanic, or Southeast Asian or black doctor, that's a woman. You rarely see it Um, in real life and in, you know, media. So you don't see people that look like you. And then when you bring up an idea and it gets shot down, you automatically are discouraged to go for that, you know, position or major that you thought you wanted to do. So it actually wasn't until my second semester, taking classes that I was like, you know what, I'm going to switch because this looks really cool. I really want to work in a lab. Like this was awesome. I saw um, other students present and get ready to go to conferences, and I was so intrigued by it. And I was like, I need to do this, even though you know my counselor was discouraging on campus as well. So my high school counselor wasn't very supportive of me. And then I went to my college counselor, and you know you're very much a number at universities. You're just another person that goes to see an appointment, and I don't think they mean to, but. If you don't have, you know, 4.0 and you don't have a history of, like, everyone going to college, they really are like, oh, are you sure you can do this? And then you reflect on, you know, like, can I do this? But now I'm in my third year. Um, I'm actually in a special program at my school where I get a stipend to go here to do research. So I get to go to undergrad now as a cell year microbiology student debt-free and I get like opportunities that I never thought I could but I might not have applied because you have all these people telling you that you shouldn't you know
0: yeah I mean I almost want to cry just hearing (laughs) your determination because you know despite all of that negativity and all of those perspectives against you you kept pushing for what you wanted I mean what strength of character must that have shown to to push through all of that. I mean, what was going through your mind when people were telling you no? The first thought was,
1: okay, no. I am someone that, I don't want to say that I take things to heart, but I'm very much a people, people pleaser. I'm very type A. I like to have a task and get it done. So sometimes when, you know, the people you're looking for for guidance tell you you can't do something, your first reaction is just accept it. And so I did go through a stage where I was like, okay, maybe I shouldn't do science because I don't have a 4.0. And, you know, my dad isn't a doctor and whatever. And so it took a lot of, like, reflection on my own passion and what I could see myself doing in the future. So at first, I definitely was discouraged. But I think having a support group of friends, like, I I have a lot of um, other friends that are women of color in science as well. And they're very uplifting. We have, you know, student organizations here that you can just meet up and we really encourage each other to be like, hey, wait, my guidance counselor told me that I shouldn't go to med school either because blah, 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 blah. But, you know, I'm going to do it anyways because that's what I want to do. So I think Mm -hmm. definitely, you know, having a support system helped me talk myself out of that negative self-talk. Because I think especially, like, we want to please, you know, we have all these societal All these interpersonal whatever expectations and stereotypes about us that we constantly feel like we're being watched, and that you have to be perfect. And so when someone tells you no, you're so afraid of messing up that you don't want to try.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, thank you so much for sort of pushing through that and getting past that, and and also like being the role model that you never had. Um, you know, it sounds like you were absolutely going for what you wanted and what you were interested in, but were you always a straight A student? I mean, were you encouraged by your own success or did you want,
1: were, I mean, what was driving you essentially? With them, it's really hard. And then when you're one of, like, you know, a very niche population here, you already feel like isolated. So you're in a very niche major and then you're also kind of mm. isolated because of maybe socioeconomic or gender, sexual identification, whatever. And so um, I went to an inner city school for high school. Granted, it was the best one in our state, but it still lacked a lot of resources. So yes, I took some APs in um, high school, but I did that because I wasn't sure I could afford all four years of university. And I knew if I took AP courses, it would knock out courses for a semester. So I did things pragmatically so that I could go to college because I knew there wasn't a fund for me. I knew that no one was going to pay for me to go to school. That it just wasn't an option. I don't have that privilege. Why was it so important for you to go to school? I think a lot of motivation came from my older sister. Um, my older sister is my role model and basically my inspiration. She currently is attending an Ivy League for medicine. She's going to get an MD. She's, yeah, she's three years older than me. Wow. And a lot of people think um, that it would have like a weight on me in a shadow, but she's inspired me more than anyone. You know, she's been there to help me and really be like, what are you interested in, and why do you want to do that, and these are the steps that what you need to do. And she's very self-made. You know, she graduated second in her class. She went to a really great college, and she helped me throughout the way to really find out what I was interested in. I think I've always been interested in science. I have a very curious mind. I'm very much a problem solver, and I like to think outside the box. And I think that's what science is really about, taking a problem and then working around it and looking at it from so many different angles. I also like the intersectionality of the kind of work that I do in my lab right now, because it applies to not only science, but you can apply outside to almost anything. So I think that definitely my foundation was her. and even though I didn't have the same grades that she was, um, one because you know, some people are just so she's a genius. I don't know how else to say it. And I know that term's thrown around lightly, but um, she is, to this day, one of the most talented, smartest people I know. And I think with me, a lot of my grade struggles in college came from feeling isolated therefore letting my grades drop. So, like I said, I'd come in, not felt like I belonged in science. I was in a completely different setting. I went from an inner city high school to a PWI or a predominantly white college or institution. So, not only did I feel a sense of otherness with that, but also an otherness within my field. So, I didn't have people to study with. I didn't feel like you know, it's like in those high school movies where you have that kid, that new kid, that sits at the table. I just didn't feel like accepted. And so I, you know, got a lot of anxiety. I didn't study the way that I should have. I didn't feel like I had a support system. So I think um the way that we grade isn't always reflective of our, our abilities. And that took me a long time to understand that, you know, what I am on a sheet of paper isn't the same as what I am when I'm in a lab. And that takes so much time to understand that you're more than just like a number, a transcript that you are like an actual person with abilities and skills and what you're capable.
0: I think I've just heard the most powerful thing I have ever heard doing these podcasts because you're so right. Like we are not (laughs) our grades, We are not our paychecks. We are not, you know, just this two dimensional or even one dimensional way of, judging someone. Like as a scientist, you are so many things with so many skills and so many ideas. And I love the fact that you want to think outside the box, because that is what pushes boundaries forward. Totally. My God. Yeah. I mean, you know, there are so many girls as well as young people that don't take science because they're not making the grades. And I love the fact that, you know, you talk about how brilliant your sister is and she was an inspiration because often young people that don't get the grades and are trying to follow in the footsteps of people that have got great grades in the the past, don't feel encouraged to push themselves. Whereas you just ignored all of that and you were like,
1: yeah, I mean, like, I really did. (laughs) I had so many people telling me, you know, i got a C in Gen Chem my freshman year, and people go, if you can't pass Gen Chem, maybe you shouldn't be a doctor. And it's not because I don't know Gen Chem. I ended up getting, like, a, a B in organic chemistry. It's because I didn't have the tools to succeed. It's because I felt depressed. It's because I was anxious. It's because I didn't know how to study. It's not because I don't know the content. You know, I...
0: But how did you know that? How did you know it was anxiety holding you back and not ability? Um, I
1: met... With um, a mentor here at the University of Rhode Island, I struggled with anxiety my whole life. And the thing about anxiety in these kind of fields is they're so high pressure that everything is a trigger. You know, you have maybe four courses this semester, all worth three credits, and that kind of determines what you're going to do for the rest of your life. You can learn a lot in a class, but if you don't, you know, regurgitate the right information, they want you're not going to look like you even tried doesn't matter if you spent you know, six hours studying a day. If you don't circle C instead of A, guess what, now you look bad on paper. Um, I think where I really got my saving grace was I applied to a summer research program here called the Science and Engineering Diversity Fellowship. And it is a program specifically made for first-generation and or underrepresented students in STEM. And I applied. Because my biology teacher, who also is a big advocate for social justice and, you know, inclusive teaching, he, I met with him as like a mentor to be like, hey, you know, I'm really struggling. I feel very alone. And I know you teach about, you know, finding your voice. And he does this whole, you know, talk about called You Belong for Students of Color and STEM. And I met with him and he was like, why don't you apply to the program? And I was like, I just don't think I'm good enough. And he's like, I think you should apply anyway. And so I applied, I ended up getting in, and then I don't, I mean, I know what happened, but the next year I actually became the coordinator of that program. And then I became an undergraduate researcher here. So because I had someone that told me that looked, you know, similar to me in a professional field that told me that I could actually, you know, I should take that chance. I ended up where I am today with three years of undergraduate research. And getting recruited for graduate school as a junior, um, regardless of my bad grades at the time, because of situations that were out of my control. And I think a lot of times we internalize these things, like you said, like our grades or our salary or what we've done and what we haven't done. And we kind of project that because we all are like afraid of not meeting a standard. But the standard is really put on by ourselves. And at the end of the day, no one expects you to be perfect but you. And I had to really, you know, take a step back and be like, going in as a freshman and being like, why, why as a freshman, like they know that I haven't done a research yet. Why am I so afraid to apply this program thinking that they're going to think that I need to know everything? So they don't, they know you're a freshman, but I feel like we get in our own heads a lot and we are the ones to stop us from even going through a door that no one said we couldn't go through.
0: You are empowered. <laughs> I, I'm like speechless and like really trying oh my not to do um, uh, You're just so empowered. Are you the person where when I reached out to you, you said, you know what, I don't think I should do this right now because I'm just an under Yeah, that was me. That was you. I mean, what is coming out of you is like some of the most profound things i've heard in almost 2 years of doing this podcast mm-hmm. and i think the reason why i feel like i'm talking to someone so empowered is because we aren't born with all the gifts like we aren't born with with all the opportunities at our fingertips but if you're born with determination and ambition and drive to chase after what it is you need to be better like, that's just as good as having it when you're born. You know that's what I mean? Like, and, and for you to have actually found the guy that's running the diversity and inclusivity program, that is initiative. That is overcoming your biggest obstacles. And, you know, I think often people define themselves by their obstacles. And they're like, no, I can't. You know, uh, I could never, you know, no. And, and what was so different about our email exchange was when you said no, I was like, huh, interesting. Okay. And I didn't want to push it, but you overcame whatever was holding you back from coming on this podcast. And it's just, I mean, you know, you've got so much to pass on to other people. It, it's making me realize that as individuals, we deliberately don't, give to the world because we think it's not good enough and it's more than good enough
1: thank you first I regarding my message to you about not potentially wanting to do this because I'm just an undergrad um, I've been told that a lot that I not told that I shouldn't do something because I'm so young but I always I'm still getting used to you know graduate students Seeing me on the same level and people coming to me for help. And I didn't notice that I guess these qualities about myself. Because, you know, when you don't really when you you have those, like you said, like those obstacles. You know, I pride myself in my ability to do lab work. I pride myself on, you know, like I wrote a grant earlier this year. Like, I know, like you said, that. I have had a lot of obstacles, but, and it's hard. It's so hard to not like define myself as that. Cause I even, I get on myself all the time. Like, yes, you can have so many accomplishments, but that one obstacle, if it really like affects you, it just messes up your whole mental image of yourself. So you could have someone tell yeah. you like, oh, but look, you presented this research paper and you're getting paid to go to school and you've done research and you you're an ambassador for this program. But in the back of your head, you're like, oh, but my grades are bad. Oh, but my GRE scores mm-hmm. aren't good. Like, if you just don't have that one element, for some reason, it just makes everything else not as important. So it's really, really hard to, but I even have to, like, take a step back. And when you know, um, I got reached out to, um, most recently, we have this special um, training program here. It's called the Mark's um, Undergraduate Program. So the MARC stands for Maximizing Access to Research Careers for Undergraduate Students. Um, there's only four at our school, and I'm one of them, among with three other of my friends or my colleagues. And it's a program for diversifying STEM, and that's another program. I had already, you know, by now I was um, a rising junior, so last summer, around this time last year. I had already worked my freshman summer at the school. As a researcher in the environmental science lab. And then the next summer, I worked in a microbiology lab. And then I still didn't feel qualified to apply for this MARC program because I thought it, it deserved to be with someone that, you know, had, you know, like I mentioned before, like all the qualities that I thought I didn't have. And then when I got accepted, it really made me take a step back and be like, maybe I'm not seeing myself the way that other people see me and what are some things I need to work on to really see myself from like that same perspective because self-image and self-confidence is hard. And I think it's even harder in STEM because it's so competitive. It's even harder as a woman. It's even harder if you have trauma. It's harder if you grew up poor. Like it's all these things and all these factors that really contribute to your own self-image. And just realizing that you have value is like a really, really big struggle to overcome. You know, so.
0: Right, like getting past all of those layers of, I'm not good enough, to then uncover exactly the reasons why you are totally good enough.
1: Yeah, you can do a lot more than you think you can. And that's something that I think is my biggest takeaway from college is that you can do a lot more than you think you can in that things take time. Everything takes time.
0: Right. And and the reason why things take time is because you're allowed to take the time out to make mistakes. Um, When I listen to you talk, I realize that I really relate to you in the sense that I have probably been my worst enemy throughout my life because I've always had very very unrealistic standards for myself and when I haven't met these standards which probably no human being could reach uh I beat myself up and I'm like oh I could have got an A star why didn't I get an A star Mm -hmm. and A is just not good enough I know I deserve and could do better and like all this really negative self-talk and what I began to see was that the only person that was making me miserable was me.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that 100%. I completely agree. And
0: it is so great to be able to identify that. But what is not so clear is what to do about it. You know, when you are in that sort of negative self-talk spiral, like how, how do you specifically snap out of it?
1: I think definitely some days are better than others. And the thing about mental health and the thing about pressure and like you said, holding unrealistic standards for yourself and getting mad when you can't reach those because they're impossible. You know, it's like, I know I get into a constant cycle of having goals and normal people would be like, oh, that's healthy to have goals and to have lists, but then it's never enough every project that gets accepted that you complete, it's not enough because you could do another one. And, oh, cool, you got an A, but why didn't you get an A-plus? Why didn't you do this? And so instead of just being happy that you, you know, are doing research, you're unhappy because you didn't win a certain award for doing research. And so I think you also need to just, I know for me, when I find myself in those negative spirals of, you know, prepping for grad school and getting stressed out and trying to see myself as, you know, just another applicant. The thing that really helps me sometimes is writing. So, writing as an outlet. I like to use creative outlets in general. That's just like a personal thing. But specifically in regards to seeing value in myself as a student, a lot of essays um, for graduate applications or some our research applications have a personal statement, and a personal statement is basically a summary of you. And you can explain anything that happened, why a grade dropped at one point, what happened when, you know, you first came in, what your childhood was like. You can explain it to the board to be like, I am more than just, you know, this number on the paper. You know, the reason why my grades dropped in that year is because I had someone close to me pass away. I was struggling with anxiety. I couldn't get out of bed for two weeks, you know? So you have to think of where you were and how far you've come. You know, when I look at myself, A year ago, I didn't think that I was worthy of the program that I'm in now. And now I'm prepping my presentation, you know, for like my exit for the first year. It's just like I said before, you can do more than you think you can. And whenever you start to feel negative about yourself and think you're not doing enough, think of how much you've already done, and that really like puts a really good perspective on like what more you're going to do because nothing is linear and it's not constant. You're gonna have ups and downs and pauses some are going to be worse than others but when you think of everything that you've gone through you know that it's really just another speed bump and this negative self-talk is just another thing you have to get through and I think you know your methods of coping support groups like I said maybe writing is an outlet but definitely just trying to put it in like a big scheme instead of you know like a micro look at a macro
0: right and and Going back to, you know, the various characters in your life that have said you couldn't do it, you know, because I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Like when I think about writing down how far I've come and what I've accomplished, I just think that's such a great idea. And I can see how that would really help. But as devil's advocate, I'm also going... Yeah, but it's what good is it if I know how great I am when the rest of the world is telling me I can't? How do you cope with other people's lack of belief in you?
1: That is something that is very personal to me because, like I said, I, I definitely have a great support group, as mentioned before. I have a lot of students here that I actually mentor that are going into STEM. Um, I have, like, my friends and everything like that, a couple of like faculty members that I feel supported by but there are all those people that you know try to write off my successes or other people like me as oh um they only got that scholarship because they're brown they only got that scholarship because they're queer they're only because they're a girl because they're this or that and honestly it's if people are that small-minded and that's just immature to try to knock down your successes or pin it on your skin color, your ethnicity, or your sexual orientation, it's really like their opinion doesn't really matter, does it? You know, you wouldn't take advice from a crazy person. You wouldn't take (laughs) advice, you wouldn't do that. You know, if you know someone's logic is messed up, why are you going to take that to heart? You know, why why does their opinion matter? From a societal um, aspect, yes, of course, I understand the pressures. It's really is difficult to be in a field where you see no one like you. But then think, okay, if I don't go on and go in my field, will there ever be people like me? So if you don't see a role model, you have to make one or you have to be one for someone else because someone else is going to be in your shoes. You know, there's another freshman probably of the same background as me coming in being like, I don't see anyone that looks like me in this field. But if they even see one person, it makes such a big difference. So I think, one, try to find people and or figures that relate to you in any kind of way. You know, personally, I have a bunch of different, you know, identities. We all do. You know, when you ask, when you're asked to describe yourself, like, what's the first thing you say? Like, oh, I'm a college student. I'm a STEM major. I'm a woman of color. I'm a queer woman of color. Like, there's all these things. And if you can even find one thing that correlates to how you identify, it just makes you feel so not alone. So that's something I did as I, Looked for mentors at my college that were like I me. Mean, whenever I had this negative, oh, you only got that because of this. You have to think back and be like, okay, but what are you doing? You know, I quote unquote only got this scholarship because I'm a minority, but you got your college paid for. Why did you get your college paid for? Why didn't I? So if they want to, you know, say that you don't deserve something because of something that's out of your control be like well why did you deserve that then so kind of like flipping this like the script and looking at it from this perspective
0: yeah and not seeing yourself as the victim because you know if if a bunch of people are telling you oh you only got that because you're a girl because you're this because you're that like you know you're kind of putting their opinion on a pedestal above
1: yours above yours above everyone yeah
0: yeah and that's something you know I've done you know when I talk about when I was a minority within a minority as a female and a person of color in engineering you know whenever people were putting me down and saying oh you know what would you know you're only a girl and whatever um I cared about what they said so it actually hurt whereas my older self would tell my younger self Why do you care what their opinion is? Who are these people to you? But because I'd put them on a pedestal and I was like, oh, you know, they are male, they must really know engineering and be better at engineering
1: than me. And it's like, why? I didn't
0: believe that.
1: You know, growing up, people are like, oh, well, boys are better at math, boys are plumbers, boys are engineers, boys are doctors, you know, boys are this, but we're not in that category, you know, it's almost like there's no space for us, so we have to make the space. Right, exactly.
0: What was it like growing up for you? Because um, your attitude is so powerful. And I just wonder, did it just come from the challenges and struggles you faced in your own life? Or did you have inspiration and support and encouragement early on? um
1: growing up I um how do I phrase this I've definitely had my share of both positive and negative experiences um I went to a middle school that was predominantly white and then I transitioned to a high school that was um all minorities basically like 98 percentile of students of color and so I faced I guess, more isolation as a child, which I think impacts you more, all that otherness Mm -hmm. of, you know, being literally one out of the 6% at your school that is of color, being, you know, multiracial, having parents with different, you know, having a parent that's white and then having a parent that is not, that alone, you know, is a whole nother sense of otherness because now you're like, how do I identify? So I've had a lot of layers of, feeling like I'm on the outside so I kind of have to understand that just because I'm different it doesn't mean that that's not a good thing you know there's a lot of beauty and diversity and I know we label things a lot and whatever but I guess growing up I actually was a very insecure very shy and I think I really found myself when I came to college because I was given those mentors that actually believed in me and like I have a mentor that checks up on me every week she even during you know the pandemic she still facetimes me every week and she asks me hey what's going on and if I'm like oh I'm fine she goes "No, like, mm, I know I know you're not fine like tell me why are you stressed I know your face and so I think you know I definitely felt better when I went to high school where I saw people that had the same culture as me the same backgrounds as me but even only being you know half of my own background, it still can be a little isolating. So I think growing up, I was in a very unique situation. I'm a very unique person. And so i have had to just find acceptance through myself and through others like me. Um, I, you know, as clearly mentioned, I am um, in the LGBTQ community and in a lot of you know, Hispanic, Asian, Latino, and Black communities, it's not accepted, whether that's because of religious reasons or just cultural and tradition. So I had to grow up kind of not being myself, kind of being a version of myself that was palatable to people around me. And that came with everything, mm-hmm. especially when I was at my PWI. I couldn't be, you know, if I had brought like my cultural food to school, I was made fun of. If I had my hair a certain way, I was made fun of. If, you know, I expressed interest in maybe liking other girls, I was ostracized. It's just things that, you know, you create this image of yourself so that you won't get made fun of. And it's not until you're in an environment that's as free as college that you can sit down and think about the kind of person that you are and find your own identity and be like, okay, like, there's nothing wrong with this. And just because i was been growing up being taught that this isn't okay and that I'm a bad person and that I'm not smart and that I'm, you know, not deserving of this, like that's not true. So time. Gosh. Yeah, I mean, you've really
0: built up a lot of strength through all the experiences you've gone through. Um, where where does this all take you? What are your plans for the future?
1: In terms of your career? Um, I'm co- into my career. I'm currently right now, I work in the toxicology lab. So, I do a lot of rodent work. Um, I'm currently doing a study with human um, hepatocytes or liver cells. And I like to do science in a kind of blended way. So, I like obviously the hard science. I'm happiest in my lab with my lab coat, my pipette, my gels like, let's go. I love that. It's like my zone. But I also like the aspect of communication. So, I like to do poster presentations, I like to do talks to my organization. I gave a talk about how to you know, apply for applications in grad school um, right before the pandemic happened. I believe that in the future, whatever program I'm in, and I do plan on going to grad school, obtaining a PhD, I know that whatever work I do will be significant to the communities that I want to impact. So if I do research on chemical contaminants and how they spread, I want to apply that to public health in the communities that need it most, so underrepresented communities. If I do a study on, like, internal diseases, I want to make sure it applies to people that maybe get denied care most. Like, in America, Black women in hospitals, their symptoms get, like, completely untreated and completely just, you know, dismissed. And I think that, yes, you can have all that evidence in the world, but if you don't make it applicable to where people care, like, is it really significant? So I think whatever work I do in biomedical science as a doctor in the future... I need it to give back to the communities that help, you know, get me to where I am.
0: Wow. And as a woman, we have quite a few aspects to our personalities. Career is one aspect. Family, personal relationships are another. Um, How compatible is having a family and personal relationships
1: with the science that you do? Um personally it I think it really depends also this is where culture comes into a big play so um I know in a lot of American culture like the what's really trending now is like you know the female protagonist who gets your own bag and you know is all sustainable and independent but I find that a lot of brown girls have like this guilt um, because a lot of us were raised that like family is very important and that you should settle down. And, you know, I remember being like in high school and my grandmother would ask me when I was going to have grandchildren, you know, it's just a different, a different world, Yeah. especially if they're like, you know, first generation here. And so I think it's hard to push back those cultural boundaries and really put your own priorities first. I think you can definitely have a family in these fields. I think you can be successful and have a partner. Um, I just think it's a lot of communication, you know, and you need, that's something you need to cover from the beginning. I know personally with my relationships, um, I like to find people that are in similar fields to me. So um, I like having a partner that understands, you know, my passion for science because they also have a passion for science and why graduate school is important to me because it's important to them and you know how these conflicting feelings of growing up as a minority woman like they understand as well so i Mm -hmm. think it is possible like i said like i see a future with my partner i see a family with my partner um it just might take a little longer than some people like you know your grandparents might want so i think that is possible it's just you you always need to like remind yourself that you will have a family like one day, but you know, I wouldn't, if that's a priority, but it doesn't mean you have to. Right.
0: And I think that's, what's interesting um, for me about what you said is that, you know, you said it's important to get your priorities right. And I think getting your priorities right is so much more difficult than it sounds because Mm -hmm often our priorities are to just get those grades so that we keep our parents happy or our boss happy or whatever you know it's our priorities are often set by other people and I think women in STEM and maybe in other places but my only experience has been as a woman in STEM like Priorities can get very skewed because of other people's expectations, and I think it's really essential to get your priorities straight. I completely agree with you. But it's also important to look carefully at how you're setting your priorities, because they may not be the best thing for you as an individual. Um, you might be influenced by others. so But it
1: doesn't sound like you're the person that would fall into that category. Um, I may not seem like it, but like mentioned before, I am a people pleaser. You know, I am. I am a woman in a culture where women do a lot of, you know, housework and family care. And you know, I remember being like seven years old, and I knew how to like cook, clean, bottle feed a baby, watch kids, do laundry. You know, you just expected a lot um, as a woman in these cultures. And I think, like you said, getting your priorities straight. It's very relative so what is important to you and I think you have the priorities of okay I need to go to college because you know my parents expect me to because you know I need to help them and I need to do this and that's great but do you want to go to school so like at the end of the day what I think the best thing for people that are or my advice I guess I'd give to people that are trying to figure out how to get their priorities straight according to their own self is what? where do you see yourself in five years and are you happy there you know like where are you living what are you doing what did you have to do to get there and you might have to sacrifice some stuff you know you might have to sacrifice having a family right away if that's what you want to do but you want to be in science, or maybe you know you might be farther away from your family if you're in an area that's better for your industry it's all relative but what's going to make you happy you know well, staying in the same place where you grew up with your family but in a job that you don't like will that make you happy or will be going across somewhere studying things that you find interesting and, you know, only seeing your family once in a while. So and it's, it's okay hard. to
0: change your mind as well. It is. You may have it a bunch is. of priorities and realize actually you don't want that anymore like after
1: 10 years. Yeah, that's, that's hard because people, you know, when you get set, and this happens all the time, not just in work, but, you know, in majors, in relationships, I find it and everything. You think, oh, well, I have to do this. Why? If someone holding a gun to your head saying you need to stay with this person? You need to stay in this job. What's stopping you from just saying like, hmm, "I don't want this anymore" and leaving? Just societal pressure, just the pressure of the workforce, the pressure of your relationship. Oh, it's going to look bad if I leave. Who cares? If you're not happy there, why are you staying? Oh, the pressure you know, and that's hard. Because
0: I mean, if you it's put it family and you are miserable, you kind of can't walk out on them. So,
1: it's, it, yeah. it, it is tricky um because i think i think that's a different case but so i meant more like i find girls that are my age with a boyfriend who's awful to them and they think oh but i've dated them for five months i can't leave yes you can yeah. you know you're 21 you can leave it's okay yeah
0: yeah i mean in all throughout our conversation i felt like um you have learned so much about yourself because you are unique and unconventional um And it's taught you a huge amount. Um, But what advice would you give, like, that's overarching to anyone that wants to follow in your footsteps?
1: I think the advice that I would give, and I do give this advice a lot to students that meet with me um, independently during, like, my office hours, is that the worst thing that can happen is they'll say no. And that applies to so many things. The worst thing that'll happen is you don't get the job, but you apply. You know, that's the worst thing that can happen. You're not gonna explode. You know, your life's not gonna fall apart. Like, why not take that chance? If I had not applied to everything that I have right now, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be in a lab. I wouldn't, you know, I'd be in student debt, like crippling debt because I don't have a backup plan. And it's all because I just applied to the program, even though I didn't think I deserved them, even though I didn't think I'd make the mark, I didn't think I'd get in. I knew 50 people were applying. Who am I, like, to get in? But the worst that can happen is they say no. That's it. You know, you just have to put yourself out there. You have to get experience. I tell all the freshmen coming in, it doesn't matter, you know, if you want to be, like whatever thing in STEM you want to specialize in. It doesn't matter if you want to be a doctor or if you want to be a microbiologist or a toxicologist. You don't know until you've been in the lab. You can take an immunology course. You can take a microbiology course. You can take a stats class, and math class. It doesn't matter unless you're putting your hands on an experiment and seeing it in real life. You know, I think the worst thing that happens a lot is students go through the four years of college or university and then realize they don't like anything that they learned because they never got real life experience. So my advice, like, with freshmen and I guess anyone in general is just to get as much experience as possible, to get as much exposure. Don't be afraid to talk to people that have gone through things um, before you. I know for me, like, my sister, finding a mentor and just the worst thing people can say is no and that you should always apply to something even if you don't think, like, if you think the chances are slim, To on you should still go for it because if you don't get in this time you could always try again
0: and so to always keep focused on the things that you want to keep focused on your priorities my gosh you are so full of wisdom for someone who thought that they wouldn't be able to contribute anything to this podcast it's so enlightening and reassuring and comforting to hear your experiences and how you've navigated through them emotionally and mentally um thank you so much for coming on the show thank you for having me that's it from my stem guest this week gosh what an amazing individual i i just feel so uplifted and so empowered from her wisdom and i think one of the reasons why it has been so endearing listening to hers because she didn't even feel like she had anything to contribute to this podcast yet yeah, i feel like this has been one of the most strongest episodes yet thank you so much for listening don't forget to rate and review the show and catch you next week on silence